0: On today's episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast, we take you under the circus tent into the magical musical world of P.T. Barnum and his cast of Misfits. This is The Greatest Showman. Welcome to our inaugural episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan. Joining me today, my good friend and co-host, Joel. How are we doing today, Joel? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited. The day has finally come. The day is here. We have arrived. Joining us as well, our third co-host, Cameron. Cameron, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, what's good, dude? Yeah, I'm super excited for this.
0: Yeah, guys. So it's going to be great. We are here to talk about the film, The Greatest Showman. Many of us aware of that film. It's uh, been relatively popular over the last couple of years after it came out in 2017. Uh, but Joel, you have a little bit of a quick little intro question
2: for us in regards to the film. Yeah, I think before we get like too deep into whatever movie we are talking about at every episode here, I think it'd be fun to just kind of break the ice with a little question, you know, just in general about whatever we're talking about. So today's question talking about The Greatest Showman, be uh, P.T. Barnum with the circus and everything. I wanted to ask you guys if you could be part of the circus in any way, what act do you think you would want to be? I'll start with you, Ryan. That's a great
0: question. Um... You know, I used to go to the circus a decent amount as a kid. Uh, Always remember the big circus tent, all the cool things you get to see. Uh, The animals really always the thing that kind of drew my attention. Um, So if I could be like the lion tamer, I feel like that would be a fun job for me. I would be absolutely terrible at it, but I feel like that would be a super fun job to have.
1: yeah, see yeah. I, I couldn't be the lion tamer uh I'm allergic to cats. <laughs> so it'd be like a really bad like I'd be like sneezing and like the whole time and people would be like, What the hell like what the hell is he doing?
0: You just it's- imagine there's a they see the, the kids come and see the act and they're like, Mommy, why is that guy just like bowing every time that uh, that the lion goes <laughs> yeah. to move and he's or actually just sneezes he, he's sneezing, he's sneezing so sneezing hard that he just non-stop. bends over. Yeah. you know
2: yeah it's kind of funny i i never actually put that together like obviously they're still cats but i never realized that a cat allergy would also like work with big cats you know it's like in my mind it's like oh no tigers and lions like they're completely different like you don't you're not allergic <laughs> to a tiger you know but i mean i guess yeah that's the case yeah i don't know um, how
1: evolution works so maybe their fur is different i have no. yeah idea. who knows i don't know i saw um, you film I, not biology <laughs>
0: He just sees that cat character from, like, Ice Age
2: and automatically, like, cocks his head back because he thinks he's about to sneeze. Was it
1: Diego? Sure, Diego. A perfect name for a a, a, a (laughs)
2: saber-toothed tiger voiced by, uh, what's his name? Dennis Leary. Oh, my God. Dennis Leary, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Ray Romano. No, he was the elephant.
1: No, I know, I know, I know.
2: It's called a woolly mammoth. Do you
1: think mammoths? I would be allergic to mammoths. I don't know. Are you
0: allergic to just cat fur or just all furs?
1: Oh, I don't know I hope, I don't think I'm allergic to dogs I've had dogs in my life for my whole I feel like
0: you know I feel like you know your answer then since you just said you've yeah had dogs you said I don't know tamer. and I've had my
1: dog my whole life
0: uh, yeah, so okay. if you're not gonna be if you're gonna be the lion tamer then what are you gonna
1: be Cameron Oh that is a good question um I mean I feel like I feel. I mean, I feel like the obvious answer would be the clown, just because I'm not good at anything <laughs> else. You know, it's like I can't balance. I can't do like those motorcycles. Like you, you ever go to the circuses where they got the motorcycles and the ball? Like in, in that the ball, ball thing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in that movie, Place Beyond the Pines, where Ryan Gosling was like, yes. did that thing, yeah. Great movie, um, by the way. Terrible movie, but we okay. can uh... well,
2: <laughs> agree to disagree. Yeah. Um. I think I would also not to steal your answer, Cameron, but I think I'd be the clown too, just because like i would love to do trapeze but i'd probably get really scared um but also like the clown you get to get like up close and personal with like the audience you know and like pull pranks like you literally your job is just to be like an idiot pretty much yeah not to degrade anyone who's a clown out there if we have any clown listeners i love your work um but i don't know i just think that'd be a good time to kind of be a clown
1: you know if you like clowns you have to watch the tv show baskets even if you don't like clowns I think I've heard of it. It's Zach Galifianakis. It is hilarious. Yeah. Hold on. How did you say his, his name? name? Zach Galifianakis? Finakis? That's no, very okay. wrong. What is okay. it? Okay.
2: It's Galifianakis. Yeah. Okay. No. As he said in the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, well, Zach Galifianakis. All right. Well, somebody's
0: got to say it right. Otherwise, he's never going to be on the show. Okay. So you say it right. It's Zach Galifianakis. That
2: is That's what name. I just said. And he's you been in a
1: lot <laughs> of bad movies, so he'll probably be on the show all the time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, Zach, you want to come on and talk about
2: Due
0: Date with us? Yeah. <laughs> From talking about our experiences with the circuses, we move into The Greatest Showman, our movie for our first episode here. Now, what you may folks may not know is that we're actually going to do like a rotating circle amongst the three of us, picking what film we're going to discuss for that episode. And Cameron actually picked this one for us this week. So, Cameron, why don't you tell yeah, us a little bit about this film, intro us a little bit, and tell us why you picked it. <sighs>
1: yeah, so The Greatest Showman – Well just so everyone knows we had a really 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 long conversation that spanned weeks of what would be our first movie because uh, we were trying to figure out we talked about doing the justice league first we talked about doing transformers first we, we were like what's a good movie to start off the podcast and we kind of came to the agreement that we wanted to start with a movie that was a little bit uh, that had some people who liked it and some people who didn't like it uh and that wasn't purely a terrible movie that way we could kind of differentiate our podcast a little bit um i hate the greatest showman i think it is a fucking <laughs> terrible movie it's Just I, coming in hot no i i hate it um i love musicals and so and i like hugh jackman i like les miserables a lot of people don't like me at les miserables but i like you okay. jackman wow. yeah there you go uh i like you jackman i think he's a talented singer i i i was excited for this movie i love zach efron i love zendaya I, I you know of course this is PT Barnum and so he's he's whack and he's but I was I was excited for it and I heard people came out of the theater and the first thing I, people liked it and I was like cool I'm excited to see it my family saw it they loved it I went and I watched it and I was like this movie is fucking terrible why does everyone like it it is a mess of a movie and so for me the first thing I could think of when I'm like what's a polarizing movie was The Greatest Showman Cool. No, That's a very, very yeah. interesting yeah.
0: choice by you. Um, you kind of touched on a little bit, like you, do you have any remembrance of like when you went to go see it or like, I know you said you were excited, but like any like particular experience that you had? Cause I know I had a, certainly an interesting experience when I went to see the
1: greatest Showman. I, I don't remember it too much. I was working in a movie theater. Uh, it was 2017. And so I was in college, but I, um, every winter when I came back, I would work at the movie theater for the winter. That way I could earn some money cause they would work us nonstop. Um, and all i remember is that after i saw the movie one of my managers would talk about how great that movie was and she hated la la land which for everyone who doesn't know that's my favorite fucking movie and she would always talk about how greatest showman was a way better movie than la la land and i hated working with her because she was dumb um shout out shout i hope out she's Karen's listening i hope shout she's out. listening shout to out this Karen's old
2: too. boss from the uh from that movie theater your name will be redacted going forward yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. I won't say her name. She, should how shall have. Okay. Moving yeah, on. You can, yeah, I, yeah. But I, yeah, I so I, I really don't remember the movie experience that much other than just thinking this movie is really, really bad. And like, I, I know I said it earlier, but this movie is just a mess. Like pacing wise, structurally. And I thought that the first time I watched it, but then going back and watching it again, it, I like I was I was kind of blo- my mind was kind of blown realizing like, OK, I had initially thought this. But then when like actually watching it to analyze it, holy shit, this movie is everywhere.
0: No, that's that's a really good point. We'll touch on that as we go forward. Joel, what about yourself? When did you first see The
2: Greatest Showman? Last night. Uh, well, <laughs> it's your first time. I had night, no idea. Yeah, no, I'd never see it until last night. Ryan and I actually watched it on a Disney Plus group watch um, which we've been, we did that for Mandalorian too. Like it's pretty convenient. I wasn't I'd invited to this. Dude, I had I had said years ago, I could find the Facebook post. I can go find it. But I had said like, why doesn't Netflix have some sort of like capability where you can watch something simultaneously with your friends and then Disney Plus was like, oh, whoever we could do it. Apparently there were like third party apps for years. Yeah, it's do called
1: it, but... a Teleparty. It's really good. You can use it for Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu. Uh, it used to be called Netflix Watch Party, but now it's called Teleparty or something like that
2: to open up your abilities there yeah you're broadening their horizons a little bit but but yeah last night was the first time I watched it um yeah it was a movie Uh, it was (laughs) it was fine I mean I as you listeners are all going to kind of get to realize here I'm going to be the one who likes just about everything I it's very hard for me to watch a movie and not like it um which is kind of the say the the case here with Greatest Showman I I wouldn't say it was like oh my favorite movie or I loved it but it was like it was fun it it was what I expected. I mean, I I guess kind of like Cameron was saying, I was hearing a lot of people kind of hyping it up like, oh, it was so good. It was so good. And I have a lot of friends who are into musicals, whether it's movies or stage plays. And so I kind of guess I did have higher expectations for it. Uh, but I mean, it, it was fine. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah,
0: so I don't know if you guys remember this. When Greatest Showman first came out, it was one of those movies that no one was really talking about, like the weekend it opened. It came out December 20th, 2017, but it didn't really gain any traction until like after the holiday season. Uh, so it just kept spiking up and up. It went from like that 8 million opening weekend to almost sustaining that same type of opening that's next weekend as well, which is very unheard of for a film in their second week. I was also one of those people that went to go see it in the theater. Um, I waited until about January, so almost a month out before I finally got a chance to see it. A uh, funny thing about it is, like, I was actually working uh, for a production studio in Santa Monica, and they had us sometimes stay super late nights for the production assistants as they were trying to get all of their edits out and for all their videos out for everybody. So we had a really late night ahead of us. We were going to be there till, like, two in the morning, probably, and I had to close up the building. Around, like, 10 o'clock um, the lead of this project was like, "Hey, we're gonna be here for a while. You don't have to sit around the whole time. If you want to go do something, get out of the office for a little bit. That's cool." So I went on what is formerly known as Movie Pass, RIP Movie Pass. Sad. Poor one. Out. <laughs> I went. I went on Movie Pass to what, see what was playing nearby. Memory. What's a movie that, theater? <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, <laughs> so I went to Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica to go see it at one of like the four AMC theaters they have over there. <laughs> um, went to go see The Greatest Showman. I was the only person in the theater seeing that like 1030 showing. Um, and I had a pretty good time seeing that movie, actually. Um, it was one of those that as you learn more about the film, and we'll get into this deeper as we go, um, as you learn more about the film, you realize many of its inaccuracies as to what the real story behind it was. But for what it was at the time, it was just a really good enjoying enjoyment of a film to go see especially uh the musical aspect of it but now you're talking fo-
1: about the background of pt barnum not like the history of like the production of the film itself
0: correct no i'm talking specifically about pt barnum okay certainly yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. get we're certainly gonna get into the history of pt barnum yeah, on this episode. I, I have a lot to say about that
1: and I, I i feel like we also should have a disclaimer at least when i'm talking about it like we will have a section where we talk about pt barnum but like when i'm talking about this movie i want to kind of disconnect it until we get to that point from the whole pt barnum is a total fucking sleaze bag, and like that whole craziness of that and like i said we can talk about that but like the movie itself when i'm talking about what a mess it is i'm talking about it as like as a movie rather than like as pt barnum's history put into a movie.
2: Ryan, you were in Santa Monica, and you went to an AMC instead of an Arclight? Well, Arclight theaters are awful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. I just go where the movie takes me, man. I I have never had a good experience at an Arclight theater. I despise Arclight. (laughs) Yikes. Someone's never seen a movie at the Dome the ArcLight in hollywood is awful when i went to i i literally i literally trained from like i took amtrak from san diego to ArcLight Hold hollywood well,
2: did you just refer to riding on the train as trained yeah okay, i trained right,
1: okay. i literally took the train from san diego to hollywood to watch um uh, uh 2001 a space odyssey in 70 millimeter and at the dome um, no, it wasn't in the dome. It was because uh, oh the, the dome was sold out. Um, I literally took the train. What What is that? Like 150 miles. And the showing I went to, the projector was broken.
0: Did you yeah. see it in an art-like? art-like I had to uh... run
1: out of the theater and try to get tickets. I got the front row for the showing that was like three hours later. So I had to walk around. I mean, it's not like it's bad. I had to walk around downtown Hollywood for, you know, three hours or whatever. But... I've never had a good experience at ArcLight. That is completely. How,
2: how many times have you gone to an ArcLight?
1: About six. Because I went to the, the I I lived right across from ArcLight when I was in San Diego. Every single time I went, there was an issue. Jesus,
2: man. Every it, single maybe time. Maybe there's there's one common denominator there, but we'll get into that <laughs> later. Uh... Okay.
1: When I went and saw the movie <laughs> Silence, ironically enough, the um the regular version of audio was broken all they had they deleted the file with the regular audio all they had was the audio description version so it started off i don't know if you guys have seen silence but it starts off where they're torturing Jesuit priests and so you have a guy talking he's like they beat him with a stick and it was hilarious because we were (laughs) like what the fuck is happening but it was also like this is you know a waste of my time well, that
2: movie, in ge- that movie in general is a waste of most people's time. So The, the only what? bad experience I had at the Arclight was when I saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there because the air conditioning wasn't working in the dome and it was really hot. And I felt like I needed to tell Billy Zane that it was going to be hot because he was about to go in and watch it and then I, I didn't because I chickened out. Like, I, didn't, I wouldn't know how to go about that. Hey, excuse me, Mr. Billy Zane. Yeah, sorry, loved you in Titanic. It's going to be really hot in there, um, just so you know, but some guy was bugging him. you saw already
1: it. what was it like when they showed the dome in that movie
2: oh it was lit everybody started clapping
1: yeah that's pretty awesome
2: i saw la la land in wow. 70 there too just sorry i just wanted just wanted to say that i
1: actually don't like um uh once upon a time in hollywood but that's a, another story yeah maybe we, that'll
2: be on the show down the road
1: i don't think it's bad yeah. enough to be on this
2: but well
0: you never know that's the whole point of how we're going to do things is i could actually just secretly hate that movie incredibly and you guys will have to just go along for the ride But um, for this one in particular, The Greatest Showman, we're going to do a little brief summary every episode, tell our fans a little bit about the movie, tell them what the plot lines are and how things go. This will be a spoiler-heavy part of the podcast. It's literally going to tell you everything that happens in the movie verbatim. So if you haven't seen the film, you can come back and join us. But uh, we're going to break down The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman is a musical take on the story of P.T. Barnum and his rise to fame as one of the early entrepreneurs of the entertainment industry. Stringing together a group of misfits, his spectacle of a show launches him into the spotlight, forcing him to balance the lust for fame and his personal relationships with those around him. As that fame grows, his intentions begin to blur until it all comes crashing down when his show burns to the ground. Afraid he may never rebuild, his performers band together to pull Barnum back on his feet and resurrect the show, spawning the first iteration of the Big Top Circus. So The Greatest Showman, a little bit of a polarizing film. Take took at the critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. They have it sitting at a 56%, which is a major contrast between what audience thought, audiences thought of the film,
2: having it at 86%. So a big difference between the two. Why do you guys think maybe that difference was there? The, the general audiences tend to like musicals a lot, um, especially like younger kids. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I think if you take a kid to a movie and there's a lot of singing, a lot of songs that they can run around singing themselves, it's going to be a hit, you know, look at something like frozen. Obviously it's animated. So it's going to draw to kids a little bit more. Um, But okay. But frozen
1: is a good movie. No, right. That's the difference.
2: But what I'm saying is think about it this way. If if you have a kid and you're taking the kid to see the movie and then your kids walking out of the movie, singing the songs, Oh, I I love it. This is the greatest show, whatever. This is me. You're going to be like, Oh, my kid enjoyed that movie. The movie did its job, right? Like, like you're gonna rate it well because your kid liked it. You know what I mean? Is this movie I
0: mean, really for kids? Do you think? Like, see, I know there's kids. I don't. I to it, wouldn't but say it, say it is. Kids.
2: No, I wouldn't say it is. But I, I promise you, tons of pe- people took their kids to see, see it. Right?
1: I think. I think the audiences liked it because it like it had like on the outside kind of an endearing message like accept yourself everyone is beautiful and people are like oh this is a feel-good movie but then when you actually look at the movie you're like oh yeah how how does this movie about this guy essentially kidnapping and using people exploiting them for his own financial benefits uh how does that translate into a accept yourself kind of thing um and so i think i think critics kind of um Audiences were kind of like, "Oh, this is a great musical," and I don't really care about how bad the structure of the movie is. While critics were kind of like, "Okay, this movie is like, kind of ridiculous," or like the meaning or like the moral is very um, opposite of what you know what you're the- seeing on screen. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: I think this is one of those films that, and some of these tend to do it where the film almost tries to hide its issues. Behind like flashy lights and big right. musicals yeah. and dance oh, totally. numbers that are gonna bring audiences in and they're gonna make them enjoy it. Plus, bringing in a very well known cast will do that as well. Whereas critics will see through those things and notice to like not just the inaccuracies to the actual characters themselves, but just like yeah, it's kind of like a fake story that they're trying to tell us in regards to like this is this movie's about equality and acceptance of each other when it really doesn't hit those notes maybe as well as the filmmaker thought it did
2: and that's kind of what i was trying to get at with it, with my initial thought is like it, it, the movie itself like you guys are saying shows us one thing but it's trying to tell us the lesson is the complete opposite yeah but no one cares about that general audience wise at least and no one's going to care about that at the end of the day because like you said there's all these big flashy dance numbers and these songs that they're going to be singing for the next you know year or whatever like general audiences are going to go to the movie to be entertained, you know, and, and I always say that when I go watch a movie, I just want to be entertained and did this do this? Yeah, sure enough. It did. Yeah. Like, you know, but if you're really looking at the movie itself, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it wasn't great. You know, it's very like empty. Said, the, the, yeah. It's very yeah, the empty, critics, it's a very empty cells, movie. Yeah. yeah the That's critics way are going to look at that. It, it, it was almost like they said, Hey, we want to make this musical to put out a bunch of really good songs. What's a, you know, cheap little backstory that we could throw into it here. This is okay. good. Yeah. Go with that. A good thing you can do with films
0: like these is if you take the musical element out of it and just watch it for the story, treat it like a different movie yeah. like that. And then you can get a better look as to what trying to, what kind of story it really is. Because if you take There'd out be nothing to watch here, right? Yeah, if you take out the if you take out the nine musical numbers and just change the meanings behind those with just dialogue or don't even mention them at all nobody would have enjoyed this film oh yeah
1: no. no totally well you know i was talking about la la land earlier these are the same songwriters the same lyric writers mm-hmm. as la la land which right? is why
0: people got super interested when it was coming out
1: yeah well be like because the music is objectively very good and some yes. of the musical numbers have some really cool ideas behind them like mm-hmm. um and you know we'll get into it but But yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. When you take away the whole musical aspect of it, and when you look at the movie, it is a very, very, very surface-level movie. Like, there is nothing... Like, it's one of those movies that thinks, like, oh, we have this message, but there's nothing there. And, like, I really want to talk about Zendaya's character later on in this, because it's a perfect example of how they're like, hey, we have this big thing. And, like, when you look at Zendaya's character, there is... That is just, like literally a piece of paper and there is nothing underneath it like it is so thin
0: yeah and re-watching the movie i hadn't seen it in quite some time and just re-watching it the other day i realized like how little characterization there was between the characters outside of just pt barnum and even he wasn't like a well-developed
2: character he was not at all no but he's the most developed character in the film which is a problem I'd say he's the most developed character, yeah, for sure. Um, the re- The relationship that, and, and not not completely negating what you say, Cameron, because you were right. But like, I feel like the only relationship I cared about was the Zendaya and, and Zach Efron. Okay, one. you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but what was their relationship? That's yeah, I want No, know. Right? Uh, no, exactly.
2: The- That's what I'm saying. Is it, it, like.
1: The only reason why I care about their relationship is because I like Zac Efron and I like Zendaya. But like if they were like completely like two different actors who I had no idea who I wouldn't have cared about their relationship at all.
2: Well, I mean, to be completely fair too, like, again, go, this is all going back to, you know, the characters weren't developed. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of moments in here where I'm like, maybe I just missed this. But like, okay, you were, was that his dad? Was the Taylor his dad? In the beginning of the film, yes, yeah, that was his father. Okay, do they tell us that? Because I didn't get that. And then when he died, I was like, "Who cares?" He, <laughs> he meant, they,
0: meant, they mention it later on in the film when they're like, when they're in the big mansion and he's talking to Michelle Williams's character, Charity. He's like, "My father came from nothing." So they're like hinting that like that was his dad that he was with.
2: Yeah, as see, I didn't Taylor I didn't then. get that that was supposed to be his dad. I heard them refer to him as the Taylor's boy, but I thought he was just like a his like assistant cuz he looked nothing like him. It's I uh, think it's more something that's inferred than outright told.
1: You. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. it doesn't really matter like everything in this movie, no, it doesn't right. really matter. But
2: what I'm saying is that the, the, like that song, that, that first song or whatever when he's singing and then like we see him die, I was like like I didn't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that goes for so much of this movie is like if if these characters like not to make this like morbid but like if the the you know wolf boy or whatever died like I'd probably be like okay like I like, I wouldn't I just, care I just, I, mean? I just think it's funny I just think
0: it's funny like yeah a young boy lost his father and had to go live on the streets and dwell just like I don't I don't care I
1: don't Did, care at all because I didn't
2: because they didn't make me care well, you know what I mean like.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what we're saying. This movie is so surface level. There is nothing beneath any of the characters. The characters exist. The stuff that happens, happens. Why does it happen? Why does it... Like, everything that happens is... The the only reason why it happens is to push forward the plot of the film. It go, yeah. It's like, if you... Like, in this is what's the biggest issue with this movie. None of the plot points connect. Like, it literally is just like, this thing happens... <laughs> And then, and, this then we, happens. and then this thing happens, and then this thing happens, and then this thing happens. Like it, there's no like there's no rhyme or reason why the order happens in the way it does. It just happens.
0: Well, while we're on the topic of like characters and relationships, I want to touch on the cast a little bit because it's a pretty powerhouse cast that they got yeah. for this film. So we have, of course, Hugh Jackman playing the main character of P. T. Barnum. Michelle Williams plays his wife, Charity Barnum. Then Zac Efron's here as Philip Carlyle, the businessman that helps uh, helps him really establish the circus. Then we have the Wheeler twins, obviously the main one being Zendaya playing Ann Wheeler. Don't sleep on, though, her twin brother, W.D. Wheeler, played by Yaa Abdul-Mateen II, who's really come on the scene probably better than anybody else in this film over the last yeah. couple of years, getting roles in uh, Black Manta and Aquaman. He just had that big role uh in the Black Mirror episode. He I believe he's gonna be in the Candyman remake. You're forgetting, yeah, he's y-
1: come out? You're forgetting Watchmen. This is the this I was watching this show. Oh, I haven't and I seen was that. Like, yet. You're I right. was like, that's Dr. Manhattan. That's Dr. Manhattan. I I was like, Oh my god, I had to look it up.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's the one that's really blossomed out oh, of this. I, mean, it's one of those, I know, but she already like she's already pretty established at this point. Well, I feel like he was an unknown. Well, in yeah, this definitely. movie and then became something zendaya went from like a known actress to like a superstar after this movie
1: yeah
0: was this before or after the first spider-man came out with her it was before, uh, it was this after was it, right you know, this no it should have been after bo- the first yeah it would have been after Wait, so really? she's probably yeah yeah so she was I well this is first... this was ended this was end of 2017 so spider-man homecoming would have definitely been before oh, okay. that. i feel like it would have been the summer before that um came but I, out... I just think
1: i thought homecoming was 2018
0: no, it was 2017. No, oh, okay. it was So she fun. was just then. hitting
1: star power then.
0: She was just really becoming a big star, which is why but having her this was her in bu- this, role this was right before
1: Euphoria, which is where she really took off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this was before Euphoria. But I just think I just think uh Yahya Abdul-Mateen is like the big like breakout star, but not because of this movie well, because he doesn't really get to do anything. That's it's just the the, thing. he's the guy that you see in this film, after after a couple no of years, no one after seeing really it, gets like gets oh, to look do
1: anything in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> no one does. Zendaya has like three lines in this whole movie, other than her song, like three lines and a whole lot of looks. That's we'll all. Get,
0: that's, uh, <laughs> well, we'll get into that. I do want to touch on the last two big cast members of the film. Of course, we have Rebecca Ferguson playing Jenny Lind, who, when she comes in into the sec- basically the second half of this film, kind of just overtakes it in all of her scenes. She mm-hmm. does a very good job in this film playing Jenny Lind. And then another person that you could argue was the breakout star at the time the movie came out was uh, a settle who played Letty Lutz, AKA the bearded lady, because that this is me song came out with that first trailer well before the movie came out. And that thing exploded. It was like almost similar to when let it go first came out where it was a song that you heard everywhere. So like she maybe as an actress didn't take off, but I know she like she performed at the Oscars. I'm pretty sure that song was nominated for an Oscar for the 2018 Oscars. So yeah, I mean that this was like the first time we've heard of her and people still recognize her just from this film so it's well, a big accomplishment for her as well.
1: Yeah the song is not it's so. It's so. But it ugh. is.
0: Rec- it, you may not like it, but it's. But it is recognizable, and it is.
2: Yeah. Probably no. the most it's, popular. It did song exactly what it was supposed to do. But it's like sell <laughs> tick tickets. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah.
1: literally like I think it's in my opinion it's one of the worst songs in the movie. But... Oh, well, there's
0: a there's a lot of
2: them. So that that's a that's a yeah, tall I mean, order. Wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my my least favorite, but I definitely like listened to it, and I was like, this was the song that that got nominated. You know, I mean, I don't know. So we talked a little bit
0: about the cast here for the film and saying how the cast is really good, but one thing I wanted to move on to next with the film is kind of talking about like where the film may have lost us. Maybe we're intrigued the whole time, but Cameron, I know certainly for you, the person that chose this as the movie that he didn't like at all. What was the point of the film that really you were like, I can't, I'm out, I'm not interested anymore?
1: I mean. Part of me wants to say the first number. Like if I'm like if I'm You mean like the honest. the open, the opening number yeah, at the yeah. very beginning
2: of the film? The yeah. very first time he puts okay. down his little cane. Cameron's like, nope, I'm out.
1: No, well no, like I, I will say, like, I thought like like here's something I'll say about the movie in general. I thought that there was some cool ideas in the movie that were just completely undermined by how terrible everything else was so like I actually did like the beginning where he's walking out and like it's showing you know like his cane and everything matching the beat I think that I was like that's kind of cool and then it was completely undermined by the moment it starts showing everything else you have these terrible CGI elephants you have these terrible like everything was just completely undermined like the greatness was completely undermined by how awful everything else was
2: i agree I, I mean it didn't necessarily lose me right away but i did think that the the, the cgi in this was remarkably bad for a, yeah, a film was, of this yes. stature you know yeah. what i mean like i mean i don't know what the budget for this film was but it's got to be up there and i actually it was the, bu- so the, budget, bad. the budget for the film was 84 million dollars that's insane what yeah.
1: and, and they couldn't have done better with that's with insane the CG. like it's yeah. i don't know i i i do remember at the point that i was trying to get to when i lost my train of thought and that's that musicals are supposed to be kind of simplistic right like i when i think of musicals i think of theater and theater is simplistic like you do have kind of like these grand sets and you do have these grand costumes but the the reason why you go see a musical isn't for some you know big cgi or bit you know whatever you go see it because you know it's an you know it's it's a it's an experience in which you are
2: i mean i i could kind of jump in here with with me i'll probably straight up say because the more i think about it i don't think there was ever a point where it really lost me i, I, I kind of touched on it in the beginning like i didn't mind this you know what i mean i didn't hate it. it it had a lot of problems but i didn't mind it you know i wouldn't necessarily say it it held me the whole way through i wasn't like super invested the entire time i i could have easily gotten up and gotten a snack and not have worried about pausing it uh but there was never like this big moment where i was like nope i'm out you know like it, it just didn't have that for me it was just overall was mediocre that i just kind of accepted it like there was never one thing that i was like "Ah, okay it was almost like you knew what you were getting into with it so you yeah. kind of just went along for the ride and when it was i think over, that's it was exactly over. what it was like i was just kind of like yeah this is about what i expected so like I can't be upset. You know what I mean? Like if I was going into it, having seen it in the theater and then was like really upset about it, I'm
1: sure there would have been kind of a moment where I was like, are you serious? Um, but okay. But overall, I feel like I haven't. Okay. So musicals are a spectacle, right? And the greatest showman tried to be a spectacle, but it tried to be a spectacle in the wrong way. It got everything that's wrong wrong. About musicals, that's what it's did. So, like, what's another La La... what's another film that okay, you think did so, this
0: the, did it the wrong way? Is kind of what I'm getting. Do to... it the wrong way? Well, yeah. What's another example of a film that kind of messed that style up?
1: Well, I don't know. I I feel like it's easier for me to talk about films that did it the right way, right? Like when you like when you watch La La Land. I think La La Land is a spectacular example of a director who understands how to direct a musical, right? musicals when you go see in theater you see the entire thing and it's you know it's one take because it's theater the issue with this movie is that when it's trying to create a spectacle like it's using cgi it's using action cuts it's doing all of the things that are completely opposite of a musical that's I, that's what it does to kind of be like oh we're so big we're so magical but it's not
0: filmed like a theater production musical it's filmed like a film well, feature film. can i actually
2: kind of touch on that is that's a, that's a note i wrote down was kind of along with what you're saying Cameron and and more so some of the shots early on in the film was it felt like they were trying really hard to emulate a stage play with this as opposed yeah. to being a film musical you know what I mean they, they didn't give in like La La Land you, maybe you disagree with this on me but I don't look at La La Land and think like oh this would be cool to see on the stage or like oh I can imagine this as a stage play no I imagine it as a film musical to me it does it's best as a film musical. Will it someday be a stage play? Probably, and I'm sure it'll be fine. But I look at that and think, this is the medium it was made for. Whereas Greatest Showman, it's like they're trying to say, hey, this is on film, but we want it to seem like a stage play. All those early shots of him on the rooftops in New York and stuff with those like terrible backgrounds. Like, oh, my all God. All the composite the backgrounds, backgrounds look so terrible. Bad. But in my mind, I was like, OK, are they just bad or are they trying to make it look like a stage play? But then you get further into the movie and the compositing gets like slightly better. You know, it's still albeit not great. It's like very like CG looking but it's like, it no longer looks like it's just this flat backdrop. But like, especially those rooftop scenes, you can see like the river and stuff behind them and it's just like still water, like there's nothing moving, you know? And so, I, I, I mean, I kind of am agreeing with what you're saying there. Like, it was trying too hard to be a stage play when it wasn't. And I think had they committed more to saying, we're a film musical, it, it and this may not make any sense either. But in my mind, if they'd committed more to saying, hey, we're going to be a film that's a musical, I think it could have been better.
1: Well, if that's the point, if like if that is what they're going for a stage play, they completely fail at making it feel like a stage play, though. Like that's in what i
2: it, It's like they were trying to. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think they accomplished it, but it felt like they were trying to, which is what threw it off the rails. Well, who does that fall on though? When this falls short, is that on the director? You guys oh, it's one
1: hundred percent the direction. Okay, because
0: I wanted to touch on, I wanted to touch on the director a little bit here. That director is, goes by the name of Michael Gracie, and you could probably notice goes by that name. <laughs> this is his feature film debut. This is his very first feature film. Yeah, he Nothing directed else.
1: fucking commercials before this. Do
0: you guys know what his As next? As a lot of directors do. Yeah, that was what most. That's what Fincher Whoa. did. So most of them do that. Spike Jones. Do you guys know what his next project is going to be?
1: Rocket Man. Up. No, that, no, he, that was was produc- right. he, was he was a producer. He was a producer on somehow. His
0: his next directorial project is the live action adaptation of Naruto.
2: Wait, really?
0: Really? Yeah. What a jump. According to IMDb, yeah. What a massive change. I just just say that with that that film of Naruto, if he doesn't have somebody Naruto run into Area 51, like that one guy did, made famous, then I'm already out on that movie. He runs in, he's like, this is me. He's like running across Area 51. (laughs) It's the Naruto musical. Yeah. That is interesting, though. P.T. Barnum would have loved all the people at Area 51, all the aliens Uh, and crazy people that are hidden over there. He would have had a field day with that.
1: That is interesting, though, because I actually do feel like his directing style is better for anime than it is for a musical.
0: It's very jump-cutty. Yeah,
1: Yeah. 100%. And I am, like I said, I'm a huge fan of musicals. Uh, I love movie musicals. And the biggest thing for me is jump cuts in a musical are the absolute worst thing in the world. Uh, when people rely on jump cuts for dancing technique, you're watching dancers, let them fucking dance, right? Don't, don't cut it like an action movie where we can't see them dance. That's what was so infuriating about this movie for me is it was very clear that they put a lot of time into the choreography, but I couldn't see anyone dance because it was cut like John wick. Actually, yeah, I, John wick was cut less than this movie. Gra- I mean, okay,
2: we're going to bring this back to La La Land again. Obviously another day of sun, huge one, one, Yeah, you know, it, obviously but i think of summer madeline right in the middle of the movie if you've ever seen the behind the scenes of that you've got damien chazelle right there with uh what's his name oh my god i can't think of the steady cam operator's name but um they're doing that shot ryan gosling's on the piano yes emma stone's over there on the side and chazelle's tapping him on the shoulder and he's whip panning over to her and then back to back to ryan gosling and it's like if those were cuts that moment would not have worked not anywhere no. near as well. You no. know what I mean? But because it was the whip pans instead, and they weren't whip pans that they cut. That, those were actual yeah. whip pans. You know, All of that was in camera. There were no cuts there. And I feel like it just made that moment even better. Whereas if it was cuts, it would have been way too distracting.
1: Exactly. And that's, and that's like I said, where it comes down to direction. Directing a movie musical is really hard. A movie that does it right, obviously La La Land. But if you've seen the movie Rocket Man... Rocketman, when they're doing the Saturday Night is Meant for Fighting, that sequence is one of the best directed musical uh, sequences I've ever seen. Because the director understands that when you're doing a big musical sequence, you've got to let the choreography be seen.
0: Well let's talk a little bit about the choreography on this film a little bit because there are some egregious scenes with some of these musical numbers. There's a couple in particular I wanted to touch on. The first one is that second opening number you mentioned on the rooftops. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about in particular Michelle Williams and Hugh Jackman's choreography on the rooftop if you remember towards the end of that scene there's a part where she essentially jumps off of the roof oh yeah yeah to yeah, yeah. <laughs> grab her just like like you can't tell me that that's like that like anybody watching this film even like a little kid would just be like, well that doesn't seem very safe <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah like it's just it's not but none of the choreography is believable in this film. Like, and then, like, another one I would talk about the Rewrite the Stars musical number with Zendaya and Zach Efron. Those are like the most well balanced and sturdiest stage ropes I've ever seen in a yeah. film. Because the way that she can literally just swing around the entire, uh, the entire building and he can just jump from the rafters and grab on no problem and, and there's suddenly no know how to do that right and but there's no give there's no give to the rope at any point a 200 plus pound man is jumping onto this rope is that and it's not even pounds? i mean that, that makes dude, me feel better he's pretty i mean he's probably all muscle though so uh, yeah okay still yeah. makes me feel better i've seen baywatch <laughs> it's, <laughs> no it's just like I, I the choreography is a mess like it in a film that is, an, the musical aspect of it, the songs are the most important part, but they do add dance numbers to most of these numbers, and if the dance numbers just don't look very good, then it's going to take away from the actual importance of the musical number.
2: My, my favorite choreography was, hey, let's sit at this bar and take a ton of shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, but yeah. see,
1: okay, so, okay, as so... so I'm just saying as someone who's been in, I, I, Ryan, in I, think, I think, yeah, in bars, Ryan, I think you, I think you said you're in musical theater, but as someone who grew up in theater, I did theater yeah. from when I was in kindergarten to, um, to 11th grade. Um, I do think, I do think I am going to kind of go against what you said. I do think that the cinema, sorry, rather the choreography is strong for most of the parts. I think that the bar number is actually very, that's my favorite part of the movie. Cause I think that they do something very interesting there. Again, the issue is that they do too many jump cuts and that mm-hmm. is the only scene in the movie where they don't rely on jump cuts during the dance number, which is why I think it's my favorite, because I think that like the passing around of the bottle and stuff is actually a very interesting um, idea.
2: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that that part. I, well, I just Ryan, you, 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 yeah. you just
1: don't
0: approve of its uh, its uh, pro alcoholism elements of it, essentially.
1: No, Who? I think alcohol is fine. <laughs> like, I use it. How- I use it to get through the you know the last couple months okay Because
0: um, <laughs> of, of how many sh- how many shots they're just ripping
2: off in that oh scene. and and they're still just going at this song yeah like no big deal no but again, i would have loved to have heard that that number again like 10 minutes while they're later. drunk yeah, yeah and like like 15 shots like, don't,
1: yeah no um but okay, you were talking right I do want to go back a little bit when you were talking about the the number on top of the um the roof, the roof or whatever Yeah, the a million digits number th- Again, I thought that there was an interesting idea there mm-hmm. where the sheets that were on the wires like how they were using the shadows and everything mm-hmm. and then like when they were like dancing how like when he would lift her up like the sheets would also kind of go up and they like mirrored her movements. I thought like that was a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, no. The idea behind the choreography is really good. It's just some of the execution isn't very well done, and that's really the CGI elements of the choreography. Those uh, musical numbers like "This Is Me," for, uh, from now on, um, the ones like that where it's like and the ensemble just, stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're not cut in a way like there are still jump cuts, but you can tell that like those professional dancers performing mm-hmm. in those scenes. The reasons that probably the two that I pointed out show these issues more than the others is because it's just two of our main actors performing the dance number in that scene. And that's where a lot of the CGI elements are incorporated as well. I know there's realism elements to both of those numbers, but like I mentioned between the swing around the ropes and jumping off of the rooftop, those numbers in particular just, drag the film down a little bit with the dance style because there were other ones that were fantastic i know i like to go back to the the musical number from now on where uh, pt barnum's in the bar and the rest of the circus performers come in and kind of pick them back up that one's incredible because they let the main cast kind of hang in the background and not do too much and showcase the dancers at the front which i really thought was impressive i just think that if you're going to put so much effort into your dance numbers you can't have the issues that i pointed out with some of the other ones where it's just so clearly less less well done than the ones that are really like you're that you're really trying to showcase the best.
1: Uh, yeah, i well i guess that comes down to like the big issues like kind of what i was trying to get at at the earlier but i couldn't put it into words. If you're doing a musical, you shouldn't have to rely on CGI to right. Mm-hmm. should make it a spectacle you should rely exactly. on the music itself and so yeah i get i get what you're saying well and, stin- um,
0: and it stinks because a lot of these the actors that they got are our well-known dancers too like yeah, they can all dance very well yeah so that's and why it was started kind- on shake it shake up, it so, it up. You know? shake it up yeah and then uh, everybody knows efron on his high school musical days because he certainly <laughs> loves to talk about it all the time high school um, musical we, or greatest showman well maybe either i don't know like no, it's, which, one, say, which
2: one would you pick
1: <laughs> if i had to pick one
2: yep Oh, that's a great.
1: Well, he great actually question. has a backstory in High School Musical, so we got to go. That's true. That He's one. a well-developed <laughs> character. Say,
0: <laughs> so, yeah,
2: I think I'd go with High School Musical.
0: Um, he was my he was my favorite part of this movie, though. So I will mention.
1: I will say the worst part of this movie, in my opinion, the the biggest mess up, um, as far as a musical number goes, is in the Come Alive, uh, number. There's a there's a dance break in there, and I, I actually counted this out because I was curious. The dance break lasts 25 seconds. There are 17 cuts in that 25 seconds. Oh, <laughs> There right. are 17 yeah. cuts in 25 seconds of dancing. What? <laughs> they, sh-
0: they What they should have done is done what Transformers did with their cuts and changed the aspect ratio with every cut <laughs> just to make it a little more interesting. <clears throat> Seriously. It's like, hey, this shot's in 4-3 aspect
2: ratio. That's crazy. And then just go back to a different one on a different part of the dance number. Dude, I kept waiting for greatest showman to like randomly cut to like one sequence of like all IMAX. I don't I didn't even know yeah. if it was shot in IMAX or not, but I was just like waiting. I was like, there's going to be one scene in here where there's just this like weird IMAX aspect ratio to like show an elephant or something. And they're going to go back to the widescreen. What do we think about the ending of this film?
1: So just like everything else in this movie, it just kind of happened because it had to, right? So the tent caught on fire. Why did it catch? Why did they, why did it catch on fire? Cause it had to, but they all meet in the bar that Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman had their big, you know, number in and they all sit down and all. Is that the same? Is that the same bar? I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I never
0: even even noticed. Um,
1: so they all sit down these people who had been complaining about i don't want to call it complaining because obviously they're right about how hugh jackman you know was treating them like shit how you know how all this stuff was awful how they weren't getting the spotlight they deserved and then his tent burned down and they all look at him and they're like hey we're a family yeah you brought us all together (laughs) why don't we go be awesome together You, you this is all because of you and it was just one of those things where it was like They actively hate this guy, like they're like he's hidden them, he you know, very blatantly hid them. Uh, he's blatantly ashamed of them, and then now because the story needs them to come together, they come together and they're like, Yeah, PT, you're the best, dude. It continues again when
0: they're like digging through the rubble, and Philip gets out of the hospital and he comes in, he's like, Oh, I kept all of my 10%. Uh, from the sh- from the shows so I can fund it and we'll split it 50 50 and everybody and PT's like oh I can't ask you to do that and all everybody's like no he- yeah you can <laughs> do it PT take his money it's totally now. fine yeah yeah it's like it's like you guys could just do this without him
1: yeah no told and like again it goes back to the whole thing of like they're they're they have like these relationships they're forcing the relationships to seem like everyone cares about each other when they are nowhere the only t- the only feeling of people like honestly the only feeling of people caring about each other are the people who have all been exploited by hugh jackman they feel like they have or hugh that... jackman personally. yeah personally, yeah, yeah. personally by pt barnum them. and like that's the only com- like community they have like is with each other so then the fact that they come out and they're like hey pt we love you i think is just like Doesn't make sense.
0: I mean, but also. You say it doesn't make sense, but I feel like with the way this movie went, it's almost like a perfect ending for. Oh, one hundred percent. It just just wraps everything up. Like they're like, yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Like we just need this thing. We just need this thing to end. Like that's like you said. It just ended because it had to. So I feel like it's almost like a perfect crescendo for the film.
1: Yeah, I I guess. I guess you know what? Yeah, it does go with the theme of the rest of the movie. Why did it happen? Because the story needed it to.
0: Yeah. So we've kind of touched on a little bit of some of our some of the parts where the film really lost us, but there's a lot of hidden elements in the film that kind of drag it down for us a little bit. I want us to be able to just go around and talk about some of these topics, let the audience know about certain things that we maybe found issues with. And I'd like to go first here, because I think the biggest one is the lack of truth behind the story. Um, the biggest issue that I had with this film is the fact that they don't tell the story of P.T. Barnum all that well and all that accurately. I was on the lookout in the opening credits and the, and the ending credits to see like, you know, that little blurb when it's a film, like this is based on a true story Mm -hmm. or based on true events. I didn't see that with this one, which begs the question to me, like why even have it be about an actual real life person?
2: I thought they don't,
0: they don't do his story. Well, Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a little research about PT Barnum because when this film came out, the Biggest issue that a lot of critics have is like they told us, like, they do not portray this man how he's supposed to be. So, I'm going to tell you guys a little backstory, uh, from something that happened with P.T. Barnum. I'd love to hear it. So, in the film, we remember how he kind of gets his start in the entertainment industry, he steals like. What was it, like the, those certificates from the railroad? He throws them into his his yeah, uh, it was briefcase.
2: Like they had like uh, ships and stuff like yeah. that. And, and...
0: and he uses it as collateral with the bank to fund the museum purchase, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's how P.T. Barnum actually got his funding started. At age 25, P.T. Barnum purchased the rights to rent a blind and partially paralyzed elderly black woman by the name of Joyce Heth. <sighs> Joyce, Joyce Heth was his first act. He, She was an 80-year-old woman. He billed her as a 161-year-old former nurse of George Washington. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So what PT would do is he went on tour with Joyce, bringing her from city to city, and depending on the demographic of the city that he would take her to, would change her backstory around to better meet the interests of the people.
1: Okay, but that... Okay. One, of, one of the actual, oh no, God. let me
0: finish, let me finish this. One of the actual changes in one of the cities was he was telling people that she wasn't actually a person and not like, not like in like a racial way in like a supernatural way. He would tell people, yeah, we just found her somewhere. Like she's, I don't even consider like, she's not even an actual human being. Uh, but the story, obviously, Joyce was an elderly woman, like I mentioned. She was in her eighties, not the one hundred and sixties, like he built her at. So he only had her for about a couple months, but he really had oh a nice God. send. He had a nice send off for Joyce uh, as like his final act with her. And pay attention to this one: P.T. Barnum held a live autopsy where patrons could pay fifty <laughs> cents to watch a doctor tear apart her body. Wait,
1: was she? She was alive. No, she was
0: dead. It was. It was after <laughs> oh, she. It was after. Okay. It was oh. after she died. He held an autopsy and sold tickets to it.
2: Oh my god. Okay.
0: I okay. So I absolutely. There's a did lot not to know. unpack here. There's the, a lot so, to unpack. So here. the last. Oh. The last little blurb for that is the profits from what they dubbed as Washington's amazing 106 year old nanny, <laughs> is how he was able to get the funding. Uh, For Barnum's American Museum, which became the cornerstone of his business empire. So that is the true story for how P.T. Barnum was able to start his circus.
1: I feel Uh, like that's kind (laughs) of incredible because like one of the things that this movie absolutely 100% failed at was the whole race relation thing yes Yes. you know and like how it like tried to bring race to like kind of the front of but it completely failed so it's super ironic to hear that like pt barnum was just a completely fucking terrible racist person. their racial lines they say them and then they throw them away like there's a couple there's a couple
0: in mind like when he first has the wheeler uh, wheeler siblings sitting down um yaya's character says you know people aren't gonna like you putting us up there yaya like, character
1: oh, had a line yeah he yeah. had a couple
0: he's like and pt goes oh i'm counting on it and then we don't touch on it again yeah and then and then when philip when philip tells them they're going to buckingham palace and Anne says are all of us invited and he goes well it's either all of us or none of us but then we never show like the racial undertones again for Wait, that it, it was and like- then and then there's one more and then there's the scene when they go to the concert with to, to the To the the play together philip surprises her with the tickets and he introduces her uh to his parents and they just shame her and him she runs out and he runs after her so like there's racial undertones to this film but they never actually tackle them
1: well and the reason
0: they don't do that probably is because as it turns out pt barnum did not treat people of different races that well
1: well see okay so now we've gotten to it here's the it here's the biggest issue of this movie for me like there are a lot of issues but when we're talking on like a social you know as like a social critique or whatever zendaya's character exists that way they could be like hey we're good to black people like that is why her character exists like no like no joke her entire purpose in the movie is to be black Right, what like it feels I, I that way. it does feel that way. right. Like what, like does she have any lines that don't have to do with her race, or have um, to do with anything like her and Zac Efron's relationship being a okay? Well, that's couple? The, that's
0: the that's the other part. So their relationship. Is one of the most intriguing relationships in the film, but in the worst way. Yeah. So the first scene that they have together, when he first sees her performing at the end of the at the end of the the other side musical performance, he sees her on the trapeze. They lock eyes, and then she go, continues on. They go down and greet each other, and then she walks away. Pt walks away, and then Yaya's character kind of like stands up to him, being like, "Oh, what's up, dude?" Like. Like watch, uh, I see you're interested in my sister. It's like I didn't really get that from him at all. The next time we see them, is when they're listening to Jenny Lin perform, and they hold hands during the performance. It's like where where did this come from? Yeah, they they had one conversation together. And
2: And then okay, dude, it it was just me, but like it was really weird. Like when they first touch hands, and she's like, ah, like it was just like the weirdest little like breathy whimper, and and like you said, it was like. Like what led up to that? Like nothing led us to think like, oh, that they they're they are they are in love with each other. You know what I mean? Like that they are yeah. all head over heels in love with each other. It was just kinda of like here's these couple of moments where we're kinda of hinting at it and then all of a sudden it's like, here
1: we go. And and they and then they take that relationship and the very first time that they have a moment, it's like, Wow this is a couple and then the white people see them holding hands and Zach Efron sees and he's like oh I can't hold hands with her yeah and man. it's like this moment it's like oh man racism is bad it ruined their relationship but like their relationship only exists like their whole song is we can't be together because one of us is black and one of us is white their whole relationship is based around this color thing rather than there being a relationship at all do we see any romance between is there any chemistry no, not until, they... not,
0: not until that musical number do they even showcase any chemistry between right. the two of them.
1: Yeah, like, I, I mean, I think this. I love Zendaya. Zendaya is the best. Euphoria is fantastic. She's so good in that. She's gorgeous. I love her. That's your one line. That's my. Keep that's going. my one time, say that guess one time I Okay, but th- this this movie just completely takes advantage of her existence, I and mean, it doesn't utilize her at all. You know Well it doesn't really utilize
0: any of this cast outside yeah. of Jackman. Like he gets a lot to well, do,
2: obviously in, in a weird Zach way. Eckhart. Which in a weird way is like a perfect parallel for his character in the movie. You know, like, <laughs> he, you uses, know, like, like he uses all these people yeah, he for uses himself. All those other people to bring the attention to himself. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. good
1: point.
0: Yeah, even in conversations uh with uh the with charity, uh she calls him out on this stuff and he's just like, mm-hmm. I just want everybody to like me. It's like that's not really Yeah, it's not really, you're like you're getting people to like you and then you're ditching them to get new people mm-hmm. to like you like oh. that's essentially what his character is in the whole film until it all comes, comes crumbling down and he goes back to the, the circus
1: performers now that we've talked about Charity and Zendaya's character re- real quick I just want to mention something the wigs in this movie are absolutely <laughs> fucking terrible <laughs> Zendaya's hair looks terrible Michelle it Williams ter- hair looks yeah. terrible that was it's something bad. it was just like how that was actually something in the trailers How? that
2: kinda of was like a big like turnoff for me. I was like, Wait, why doesn't his hair look like that? It looks like like I, there's this restaurant in uh in LA called Barton G where like they serve all their food in like a crazy weird way. And you can get this Marie Antoinette cotton candy where it's like marie antoinette's hair is the cotton candy and that's what zendaya looks like like it looks yeah. like she has like cotton candy on her head you know
0: and i think michelle williams kind of has it in her contract for most of her movies that if you're not going to let me use my short hair you have to give me the worst wig you can find because yeah. that's what happened to her in venom as well if you guys saw venom oh, she has that yeah. awful blonde wig with the bangs it's like this is atrocious like what was happen- her hair
1: in manchester by the sea did she have
0: i think she just had short blonde yeah, hair just her short yeah. hair yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she, looked- she was great in that so that's no a good place there yeah that's a movie that um, won't be on here did you guys have any other egregious things because I had I had a couple more but I wanted to see if anyone else had some more slow-mo
1: yeah, what the, the s- fuck the, the, oh, yeah. the
2: they tried to use the like the him not being a, or not hearing the audience like applause type thing as like this big like you know moment type stuff and I just didn't like it I would have much rather heard you know the thunderous applause but the slow-mo there was there was weird like zooms where it was like, it almost feels like, oh, in that shot they forgot to push the camera in, so it's like we're gonna digitally do this, and it's very blatantly obvious. Like, there were just like a lot of like small technical things that really just just stood out.
1: There is so much slow mo in this movie. I thought it was directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> I mean, who who uses slow mo? I would wa- in... I would watch
0: the Snyder I would watch the Snyder cut of the Great. Who Showman. I who
1: uses slow mo in a musical? Like, it's 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 awful like i'm thinking of la la land and like there's that scene where like everyone else is like in slow-mo but emma mm-hmm. stone isn't and like that's the only way to use slow-mo i just want to let the odd aud-
0: let the audience know that joel and cameron or cameron combined are probably at 20 mentions of la la land so far i'm at zero well so it's the
2: best well, you, you, no, you're actually best. at one yeah because i just you're did at, it right yeah 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 you're at one yeah all right well i'll throw my hat in the ring on that now, one now i don't know if we can trust you to throw out everything you've said i
0: this don't I had a I had a funny line that I wanted to touch on with you guys. At the very beginning of the film when he's first trying to get people to come into the museum, he throws a line out there where he says, "Hey you sir, you have a hat on. Did you know that ha- that people that wear hats get half price tickets?" Yes. I just I just when I saw that line I was like, that's really stupid but also really funny and it got my stupid brain thinking like, "Do you imagine if you went into like a store and like you went into an old navy and you're wearing like a flannel shirt" They're like, oh, did you hear about our, our flannel shirt discount? It's like, no, what's that? It's like, yeah, you get 50% off of all items in Old Navy just wearing a flannel shirt. It's like, I just, what do you think would be the most ridiculous promotion similar to that at a store that you could think of?
2: I mean, I can't think off the top of my head of a store, but I will say this. Very similar to circuses, I used to work at the, like, Del Mar Fair, and we would sometimes do stuff like that. Like I, I worked at a little like basketball game and we would say stuff like, like, Oh, Hey, we're doing a two for one, uh, basketball shots for anyone that is wearing a, the color purple today or whatever, you know, like if it was like really slow, you know, we'd throw stuff out there like that. Just kind of draw people in a la PT Barnum in that scene. I did also laugh at that. That was pretty hilarious. <laughs> it was, just, it was um, a really good line.
0: Um, the other one, the other big one that I had, is the timeline of this film? Yes. So one hundred percent. So we cut through kind of the junk at the beginning where the time jumps and everything like that. So let's go. Let's focus right when he first opens the museum. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, that's about. I th- I actually made a note of that because I think that's about thirty minutes into the movie. And, just then, the, about, yeah. and then the pacing goes. I mean, the it, like it was very fast to that point, but then mm-hmm. after that, like the pacing just goes to shit. It is all over the place after that. He goes from an unsuccessful business
0: owner to one of the most famous people in New York city. in what seems like a span of like three days, it's New York like, city, the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, like, cause he writes, he gets that article written, uh, in the, in the daily news or whatever, whatever the newspaper mm-hmm. was, uh, by the creepy guy in House of Cards, uh, playing—I don't remember that actor's name,
1: but oh yeah, of... the reporter. Yeah, in House yeah. of he's, Cards, he just is...
0: plays—he just plays annoying reporters and everything. Yeah. who in, sleeps apparently.
1: with Frank Underwood's wife?
0: Yeah, yeah he, I think he's. They, he, yeah, that guy. They have a
1: relationship, or yeah, too. Uh, do. It's um, weird. That But that, that
0: guy—he writes that article, and then like his his uh and then pt's like assistant guy who was just like a petty thief he picked up yeah. off the street <laughs> um, he tells him oh man the you know the paper they really kind of reamed us in this one and pt barnum's <laughs> like i love it send it out to every paper in the world right. and then like the next scene they're selling out every single like every show like right after that but it's not like they didn't showcase it as a montage it's just like the next scene was like hey uh-huh. yeah we sold out like yeah, that's how does, a good point. Like, I
1: didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, like the, it was just so weird. Like it felt like, and then like when he goes on tour with Jenny, it felt like the same thing. Like, like they leave, and then they do like some like, they do like a little montage, like cutting back and forth between Philip at the circus and PT mm-hmm. on the tour, but they never tell us how much time is passing. Like he he when he when he's sitting with Jenny and they have like that somewhat romantic moment, and PT's like, I can't do this. I got to go home. I got to go see my family. Is it been how long? Is have they been it, gone? Well, we easily don't know. Could have been
2: like a day. Like yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's you know that that that's yeah. So that is what I'm talking about with pacing, right? Because it it does feel like there is no timeline, right? So like like okay. So I wrote down he buys his wife a house, right? Yep. Like, that's like a big thing. Like he buys mm-hmm. his wife a house. It's like, Oh my God, we have this house. It's awesome. And then 10 minutes later, I'm not kidding. 10 minutes later is when Jenny shows up. He's like, fuck my wife. I'm giving it all <laughs> up for, you know, this bitch who I've, you know, never. Well, met d- hold before. on. Do you think,
0: do you think that he was attracted oh. to her? Like, physically or was he attracted to her because of what she could do for him as a performer
1: the thing is is that it doesn't fucking matter
0: no but like it's an but it is an important question to the film like for the film that we are talking about what because pt barnum i don't think he ever really showed unfaithfulness to the to his family he just always put himself ahead of them and that's where i think jenny really comes into play in the story is he sees her And Phil you know, Philip tells like she's the best opera singer in Europe and PT's like, Oh cool, I'm gonna bring her to the States and they hear her sing for the first time and every time they cut to PT Barnum during that first performance, he has like tears in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Like he's so moved by what he's hearing and but i don't think they ever showcase that as like a romantic feeling i think it was more just like this is my golden goose and i'm going to i'm going to use her as much as i can just like he does with most people in this film
1: i mean it like i said it doesn't really because this whole that whole thing was just completely made up the whole like
0: well the whole movie's made up well yeah
1: so. but like the whole like kissing thing or whatever was all made up i think in the movie though that like He was like I in my notes, I actually wrote in that like she was like a mistress. So like I do think that the movie was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's like physically attracted to her because like he was I felt like he was doing a bunch of stuff to impress her. Like there's this moment where he calls all of his acts fake where he's like, oh, yeah, they're all fake, but this is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of it's like what the like I like he was like doing that purely to impress her. Like I like I don't know. And then like But
2: I mean that's all I think it was also to sell himself more because everyone knew going to the circus that it was like this fake show. All the newspapers oh, said it all that this is stuff That is something I'm
1: very curious about. I was I was confused because it could like that was something that was brought up all the time. They're like this is fake, this is fake, this is fake. I never really got where it seemed to be fake. Like because like when he was going out and like finding these people it was like, weren't they kind of re- like? I got that like he was like, oh, you're, you know, you're five hundred pounds. Oh, you're actually seven hundred pounds, like that kind yeah. of thing. But like the like the little like the little guy was actually little. The bearded woman actually had a beard. The like, I, 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 I was confused I, I, by that.
2: I don't think it was a matter of everything is fake, but that a lot of this it, like like it's fabricated. Yeah, it's it's fabricated. Is what he said. Like like you were saying, you know. Oh, five hundred pounds? No, we're actually going to say you're you're seven fifty or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. you're you're seven foot eight? No, we're actually going to make you eight foot three. You know right. what I mean? Like the little things like that. Um, kind of on the topic of fabrication, uh, we've kind of touched multiple times about how this whole movie is supposed to be about like acceptance and accepting for who you are. Now, this is not literally as characters in the movie, but the little guy. Why did they use his regular voice? I don't understand. That That was not his voice. I, like, looked up interviews of him talking. He's Australian, I think, but he's very easily understandable. So, they either dubbed him or they, like, completely changed his voice a little bit because what he sounds like in the movie is nothing what he sounds like in real life, and I didn't understand that.
0: You know what's funny about that character is, like, a lot of the characters in this film are made-up people. Like, Philip Carlyle mm-hmm. wasn't a real person. Um, the, the acts, like, they don't use their actual names. Like, I think the only real people of note are Jenny Lynn and the Barnums, but also, uh, Charles, who is the, who plays like the short Napoleon character in the, in the film, he was a real person, but they they really changed him up. Cause like in this one, he's like, uh, probably like in his twenties or thirties. Yeah. They said he's like, supposed to be like
2: 25.
0: Yeah. The actual care, the actual one was a five-year-old child. <laughs>
2: Wait, what? So wasn't even like the real. Yeah,
0: the real, the real Charles from the circus was a five-year-old child that he portrayed as a short man, basically.
1: Are you fucking kidding?
0: Yeah, I did my research, man. The PT Barnum's a, a wild. He's a, a wild person. Well,
1: there, like, the, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about, though, because like the the stuff that you're telling us about, like the woman who that was like 80 years old and he's like 160, that like that makes sense. Why every like in the show they're always like, oh, this is you know fake. This is a fabrication, right? If they had a five year old kid and was like, hey, this is this 30 year old man who's just really short, that makes a lot more sense of the... You know this is all made up rather than how ha- you know yeah. like that like that for me like it was just confusing because like his daughters were all like his daughters made this point that like everything you do is fake dad but like it didn't really seem all that fake to me it just seemed like a little bit of a bending of the truth you know
0: yeah he it was like and this is a term we'll probably use a lot it was almost like a plus up of the right. of the characters like oh, yeah, you're already like a super tall guy, but I'm going to just milk it a little more. You're already yeah. a very fat guy. I'm going to milk it a little bit more. Yeah. That's kind of where Pete, that's basically the crux of P.T. Barnum, both in this film and as a real person, is that he takes your differences that separate you from the world and elevates them to another level to make you even stand out even more. That's yeah, really like, how, like- That's really how I see him.
2: Like I think he'd probably look at me and be like, okay, so you're funny, but now we're going to make you funny and attractive. You know what I mean? Oh, so, you, like,
1: you're attractive. Okay.
2: We can end it right here, I think. I think we're good. It, we gotta, why don't we just put the video... Now of, that we got that on... We can put order. the
1: Zoom in, and like, that way they see Ryan, they see Joelle, then they see Cameron, and they're just like, oh, okay.
2: Singular, lowering the bar. Ouch. Just, I'm just kidding, Cameron. I'm just kidding. Well, you did say it in the right order for that
0: to be a fact. So. Yeah. Well... Um, so we kind of talked about a lot of the things that we really didn't like in this film. There were plenty of them. Does it, do you guys have any others that majorly stand out that we didn't talk
1: about? Okay. Well, okay. Going to get back to the passing of time kind of thing. Uh, So as you said, like an issue this movie had was they spent a lot of time on things that didn't matter. And then they didn't spend enough time on things that did matter. Okay. So like, the like there's that obviously what's her name jenny is that what was that her name the woman who's singing i forget jenny lynn jenny lynn Lynn. she's she's a real person yeah yeah yeah. okay so like i just thought it was weird how all this stuff is happening and then like 45 minutes into the movie there's just like this 10 minute sequence where this woman is just singing on a stage
2: what do you mean you're talking about her first performance yeah
1: like her first performance it's just like
2: I actually really loved it. That was one of my favorite parts of the was movie. Was it really? I don't know. Yeah. For
1: me, it just stood out of being like, "This is boring."
2: No, I th- that's probably my favorite song. In the Interesting. No, yeah, I think perfor- it's a great her performance song. Is great. No, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, like instead of just kind of like showing a couple notes here and there, or whatever, and then kind of cutting through the song. Like, yeah, we exactly. really have to have the entire performance. Exactly. But in my mind, it was almost like. that was the show stopping moment for me as opposed to this is me you know what i mean
1: oh well yeah no but totally but even then i feel like that sequence could have been much better directed right because it was one of those weird things where they were like cutting and like showing like different angles of Mm -hmm. her where i think it would have been much more successful if it was and I, i i'm sorry to bring it up again but why is audition at the end of La La Land, I knew you were so going to say that. So why why is that so powerful? Mm-hmm. Because it is literally just Emma Stone singing, and that it like that is it. That's all you see, and like that's it's so raw. And I feel like this was like the issue with just in general. I hate when movies. Tell you how to feel by the like the technical aspects of it, like slow mo, like oh look how important this moment is, or extreme close ups, like oh look how important this is, right? Like the extreme close up of Zac Efron and Zendaya holding hands, like oh this is something that really matters. I hate when movies do that because when I'm watching, I, I I expect I expect the directors to feel like I am intelligent enough, I am a like I know what I've seen enough movies, I I can see for myself what should be taken out of the film you know I don't like being having my hand held while watching a movie and I felt like this sequence was definitely like so much hand holding just let me witness her say I mean to go
2: back to go back to your your point about La La Land because I do love auditions it's a great part of the movie but I feel like that's exactly what that's doing you know what i mean the fact that it solely focuses in on her and and her last kind of little note there is almost like it kind of whimpers out you know it wasn't it's not like she's holding out this strong note it's kind of like telling you like you're supposed to have this this sort of feeling that she's having you know um i think the big difference between those two scenes though is like in audition we're we're experiencing mia we're experiencing her experience that's not what what this scene was about in greatest showman the greatest showman this scene was about everything that was happening right there it was about pt barnum saying oh crap like i'm about to make a ton of money off this girl him seeing the audience reacting to her you know what i mean it's almost like seeing it through his point of view not as an audience's point of view you know we're kind of realizing oh this is a this is something that's going to change the game for him you know and i think the way that they went about showing that was for that reason you know what i mean because i I totally get what you mean it could have been gorgeous if we just Mm -hmm. kind of sat on her, maybe dim the lights out. You know what I mean? Felt like we were actually the audience sitting there watching this performance as opposed to sort of a fly on the wall type person. But I think their intent there was, we need to see all this stuff going on in here to understand why she's going to be such a pivotal character in this Mm -hmm. story.
0: I think the audience for our show is going to be really excited when I blindside you guys and pick pick La 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 Land as one of our films, because I really like that movie, but the more you guys
2: mention it in this one, the less I enjoy it. Well, so. I, I, I mean, I think the only reason it's getting brought up, so no, much no, is I, totally it's under, a I totally under, I yeah, totally understand, I totally understand it. Musical that we can,
1: and it to. came out, this movie came out relatively a year so after, and time. it had the same songwriters and yeah, you know, no, it, no, it's and, a, it's a
0: very no, it's a, it's shut up, right. point. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I will, I, I do want to mention one more thing, um, and I was talking about this earlier about how it seemed like stuff just happened, just to happen, right? So like at at that part, like at that. Um, that scene right after I know after, where you're going with this. Where, like the the party or whatever like right after she sings they're like wow this is so awesome. Um why the fuck did Michelle Williams parents just show up? Yeah, it's like, a great <laughs> question. It's a great question What the like they're yeah, just why like, were they there? Why were they there? It's just like oh like we have this moment for why? Here's how here's how I
0: interpreted that scene. Um I almost feel like PT invited them. To, to sh- rub it in their faces. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm almost positive that's what happened. But that also doesn't make sense because he was worried right before she started singing whether she was going to be good or not. He had no clue. So I think it would have been weird for him to invite his in-laws that clearly don't like him and then have it blow up or she's terrible. And then he's just... He's yeah, just has yeah, yeah, but I mean,
2: also to counter that, at that point, he was already all in on her. That even if he failed, it was going to be in the newspapers and stuff like that anyway. You know what I mean? So I feel like, I feel like your initial point of him bringing them in just to so rub it in their face, probably could have been something that he would have done.
0: No, it's it's what he like all of, it. It's like a hidden thing in this film, but they don't hide it that well because like you can tell like how insecure P. T. Barnum is throughout mm-hmm. this entire movie. Um, but the insecurities stem from him just wanting to be better than he was supposed to be basically like he was always just right you're giving giving this
1: movie way too much credit well
0: somebody somebody has to defend certain things in this film like i'm not saying that um these are good things that they did but it's important to like because people that like this movie are going to notice these kinds of things and i can relate to that i think that the insecurities from him entirely stem from wanting to impress his in-laws, impress his family, impress the world. Like that's what, that's all really PT Barnum cared about. So everything he does in this movie comes from him being so insecure and wanting to prove that he's worth it to everybody around him. And I think that's why he showcased, he tried to showcase Jenny Lynn and why he pushed all her, all of his chips in on her because she was going to be the one that, finally pushed him over the edge and made him like this huge star.
1: See, I, I, I see what you're saying, but like, I don't think he gives a shit about anyone else. I think he's just a fucking narcissist. Oh, I know. I, no, I, I, I hard disagree. I disagree. 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 Really?
2: Yeah. Yes. No, I, yes, he's, a I big think this entire m- but he absolutely went through everything that he did and pushed to be the person that he could be. For other people, whether yep. it be to, as Ryan said, prove his in-laws wrong, especially the dad, you know, who who said he was going to amount to nothing, that she'd come running back, which she eventually does, or to make his family happy his daughter oh i really want to do ballet he can't afford to get her ballet shoes what does he do as soon as he starts having a bunch of money he gets her ballet shoes because i like that the the
0: second daughter never gets any type of like particular thing that she does (laughs) i got you this dollhouse
2: here's this dollhouse you go
0: play with that and then your other sister can go do all the stuff that we actually
2: care about yeah but no i i'm completely on ryan's side here he though he is narcissistic i don't think it's in terms of narcissism in the sense of i want all this for me as much as it is i want all this for me for the sake of proving these people wrong which yep. in some movies and stuff can be seen as a positive like oh look at this person who's who's going out and doing these things to prove the world wrong but for him it was it wasn't about you know like i want to be successful and then rub it in their face it was i want to be successful so i can rub it in their face i'm going to
1: be successful by exploiting all of these people <laughs> Oh
2: what <laughs> No, that's, that's what he did. He that's, exploited all yeah, those Oh, yeah, I thought you were talking about you specifically. I like, no. Well, I, he, I mean, he could he could be, but he's well, also it depends on who you movies, ask, Joel. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um,
0: so I think we've touched enough on a lot of the issues we have with this film, but I wanted to open the floor to us to potentially talk about any things that we did like in this film. I have one in particular, and I feel like you guys might agree. I feel like the soundtrack of this film is almost – almost exceptional level of soundtrack i think i think the movies like if you take them out of the context of the scenes of the film like the the songs themselves are fantastic um i i think i really like clearly this is me you may not be your favorite but it does track well it was nominated for best original song at the oscars nice. it is well done music Uh, In my opinion, see,
1: I hate that fucking song because like the moment it came on, it was just like everyone was doing it. Like, I don't know if you guys watch America's Got Talent, but like that was just like the inspirational song. Like there was this fucking children's choir that came on and sang it and they sang that song. They sang the same song every single time and the judges cried every single time. But 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 they did the same
0: thing with Let It Go. For frozen and you love frozen but so let it go is a good song. song
1: right this it's, it's, i think yeah.
0: this is
2: me is a good song I, okay. I just it's i don't yeah it's not my favorite song but it's not a bad song you know i i i, I don't know i no i
1: agree with you that the music is good i mean there are there are not,
2: there are nine <laughs> not tracks the song, in, but,
0: there are nine tracks in total on the film every single one takes place during the film you know a lot of the a lot of films will have musical tracks that they won't actually play uh, during the movie, every single one gets played during this film. So, we've got This Is The Greatest Show, A Million Dreams, Come Alive, The Other Side, Never Enough, This Is Me, Rewrite The Stars, Tightrope, and From Now On. Those nine tracks. Yeah, see. So, if, if This Is Me isn't your favorite track, and it clearly isn't, what is your favorite track? I think that there's
1: favorite. only one song in the, in the show that's worse than This Is Me, and that's Tightrope.
0: Yeah, that one's my least favorite. Yeah, Tightrope.
1: Tightrope well, one, that song... Uh, that that song is just fucking terrible, and that sequence is terrible. Like, they're like, "Oh yeah, Michelle Williams is in this movie. We should probably give her something." That's to really do. what that
0: song felt like. Is that we should we cast her, and she only has really gone like half of half Again, of the performance. The whole
1: relation, just in this movie, relationships are just. But go, but
0: go back to the like to the songs. What if? So those are the songs you don't like. What are the ones that you do like?
1: Well, I, I mean, I pretty much like every other song okay like, um i mean rewrite the stuff uh, and, and this is the issue is that rewrite the stars i like the song itself but its context in the movie is like i said it's just ex- it's exploitative of race relations no but i like, i, I, I know, said
0: i said when i brought this up like you got to take the songs out of the context of okay. the film well like, then, that's like, my favorite song you just, because if I you're like just listening, yeah, if you're just listening to them on their own, it comes on the radio. If anybody still listens to the radio, I certainly don't. Um, but if it comes on and that song comes on, you can enjoy it for what it is without thinking about the movie that it came from. Yeah, Joel, what about you? What song? What song or songs do you like in this film?
2: Uh, Never enough, probably my favorite song. Really yep. powerful, really strong, and I really enjoyed it. Um, Rewrite the stars is also good. Uh, the other
0: never, side, never it, enough. Also, the only song that wasn't actually performed by I was the gonna say, yeah, I was
1: gonna played. say that. Um, it's a little weird, yeah. What was her name like Lori Aldred or something like that? I'll, yeah, I'll
2: look her uh, up. she is, I have it right here.
1: It's funny, they're like Lauren
2: Aldred, Lauren Aldred. Yeah,
1: it's funny. It's like they're kind of like you remember in the Beijing Olympics, like in 2008, where they had the little girl uh, sing. And then the, and then the other little girl do the voice, like the, be the person who is singing quote unquote. And they were like, well, the actual singer was too ugly. So we used the other little girl to be cute and sing. Was that, was that, I don't, I don't remember that. Oh,
2: (laughs) I I know what you're talking
0: about. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so you, Joel, you said never enough was your favorite song
2: never knows probably my favorite uh rewrite the stars was good and then uh the shots one is the other side right the other yeah. side yeah uh, yeah The, the shots that one's my the, i think that uh, one's my favorite that one that one that's, i like music good. with like a good like
0: good quick flow to it and that one really moves along very well mm-hmm. so i really enjoy that one from now on is also one that i really like i don't i feel like the songs that get talked about from this film are this is the greatest show um, this is me and Rewrite the Stars are like the three most popular
1: ones. From now um, on is a solid is a solid number. For yeah, sure. I really
0: like I really like that one. That one that one is right up there for me. But like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the it's just funny because like most of the ones that we talked about as being good are the ones that aren't marketed as much as mm-hmm. the better songs. From that
1: well, I think I think like a million. Dr- i think a million dream, well the songs that you're talking about aren't necessarily musical like rewrite the stars doesn't necessarily feel like it has to come from a musical or no, like just be a pop duet yeah Where like from now on um yeah um the other side yeah uh, a, a million a mm-hmm. million dreams are very much musical songs right
0: yeah you could see that on a stage play and
1: it would yeah 100% um where as like the more popular ones or ones that can be on the radio, because I don't know if you guys remember this, but then they had like the whole soundtrack kind of like what they did with Hamilton, where they had like the songs performed by musical artists and then yeah. those songs were then put on the radio like i know pink did one that was put yeah. on the radio
0: yeah i yeah they did some of those I know zach brown band did from now on yeah um, panic at the disco yeah and pentatonix both did this is the greatest show they both, oh, really? both they both well, see did that it. see Ugh. that's the that's Ugh. the
1: thing about this movie is it really was kind of a cultural like it really did become a cultural moment kind of thing. it did yeah and it, see yeah. and
2: see this is and that's exactly where i think you and i especially cameron probably differentiate is that to me whether i liked it or not this movie did exactly what it was supposed to do you know what i mean it it became this like you said somewhat of a of a cultural phenomenon and no matter how good or bad the movie was at the end of the day the director is going to be looking at themselves like yeah i did what i was supposed to do yeah i mean if you look at the if you look at the box office numbers for this film
0: uh the domestic box office here in the u.s was over 174 million with the total box office gross being over 434 million. So on an $84 million budget, and again, like I meant, well, we mentioned early on, this one, this was a film that gained a lot of traction over the coming weeks that it was out in theaters. It went from eight, and then just kind of stayed at a steady number to be able to reach that number. So to have an $8 million opening weekend and end up at almost $175 million just in the U.S., I think that's incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of played out like Crazy Rich Asians did, where it's yes. like, uh, it really had the staying power. It was like very much a word of mouth kind of thing.
0: It was like you tell two friends, and then they tell two friends kind yeah. of film where like, yeah, like everybody that saw was like you need to go see it <laughs> yes. yes all right so we talked about uh on the positive side we talked about the music and this movie so was have...
1: about as enjoyable as a pyramid scheme <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: how many pyramid schemes have you been involved in uh
1: well my mom did pampered chef and sensi and uh was that the Arbon or whatever i yeah too many man
0: oh that we had in college we had there was this one pyramid scheme i can't remember what well, it I was guess. All my, cutco no all my cutco f- or all, primerica all my friends back home they're gonna hear this and they're gonna be mad at me that i forgot the name of this company um but we had fraternity brothers in the house that had they were selling like energy drinks or something like that i forget mm. what it was called i really do they had stacks of boxes in their rooms and one of them had it stacked up in his room, where it was shaped like a pyramid, and he didn't realize that that's what, that was what he shaped <laughs> oh it. Oh my as. god! <laughs> it's just like it's... literally like a pyramid. And we walk by his room, just like okay, so you're just not hiding this at all. Like this is this is what you're doing. I can't believe
2: I can't remember the name of this. I'm like in the get... office when when uh, yeah. when Michael's like no 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 I tell two people or I tell two people and those two people tell two people and Jim goes up and uses the marker and like makes it look like a film. yeah yeah exactly
0: yeah it was incredible so like yeah like it's was just oh man i'm gonna i can't believe i can't remember the name it's okay that. but but my point was is that like was there any other positive takes from this film besides the music do you guys have any
1: yeah okay so again kind of separating the movie from like I said, separating the movie from the person, I feel like there was the potential for a good movie inside of here. Because like what you said, like the music was good. Like there, like I know we had a difference of opinion, but I feel like there was good uh, choreography. I feel like there was, you know, they obviously had talented actors. It was yeah. just like everything. I mean, everything was was so surface it's like it's like
0: they had all the right ingredients and when they put the cake together they burned it
1: it was a shell of a movie like that it was just 100 percent something where we talked about the plot how it just went from one thing to another because it needed to move on with the story like it like there was drama because there was unneeded drama unnecessary drama like bringing in the parents for no reason after you know she's saying because they needed to have something to where the audience could be like oh something is happening like is happening you know they're like they're they're in the hands of someone who knows how to direct a movie like i feel like if you took the director of rocket man and was like hey make a movie make the greatest showman movie i feel like you might have had a decent movie but you had someone who clearly doesn't understand how to direct a musical and with right I I don't even know who the writers. It feels like this movie probably had like a bunch of different writers. Um, and the, I, di- I, the
0: director the director for Rocket Man was Dexter Fletcher. By the yeah. Way. Um, he he who, finished who, who up was, the was also the director for Green Dir- right? Who, he was the producer and then took on some directing uh, from that. He also did Eddie the Eagle, which was another Hugh Jackman film. Oh yeah, with Taron Egerton. Yeah, yeah, that one's pretty good too. So yeah, I mean maybe yeah maybe if you put it in the hands mm. of somebody else was already. Um,
1: Damien Chazelle. In, in the, well, dun, I mean, dun, no,
0: dun, like, dun, 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 dun. we can't have. I mean, we can't have. Why Damien don't Giselle they just,
1: just make this movie La La Land too? Like, honestly,
0: <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. All right. So, so what I gathered from all of that is Cameron has no positives of the film. Um, no, Joelle, I, you... I, I, said <laughs> the, I said
1: the music, and that's what I said. And listen, anytime listen. I see Zac Efron, I like, I like him. I like Zac Efron. I think he's a good, he's attractive a good man.
0: Uh, sure, that works too um joel did you have any positives from the film that we haven't mentioned yet
1: uh my
2: big one was the music also and i feel like that's i feel like that's the only takeaway that almost everybody would have it it was but for me it wasn't as much as like the music was the only good thing and everything else sucked it was more of a like the music was pretty good and everything else was just kind of mediocre you know like again it could have been a lot better but it was enough that like I would have been okay with it. Like, had I seen it in the theater, I would have walked out of there like content with what I saw. You know, right? So the yeah, reason I disagree
1: asked that, on that, <laughs> I, asked I walked that out of the theater like I want a refund. I'd like but you, a refund. But you, hey, you, you say hey, that about you? Didn't even say the title right. Ninety percent of
2: the movies <laughs> yeah. that you see—that's well,
0: not I want, true. I wanted to. I wanted to touch on the positives because one thing I want to see what we can do is like we clearly, if we have our criticisms for the film, we feel like there's things that could have been done better. So, if there is one thing that you could change about this movie that you feel like could have made it better, what do you think it would be, Cameron? Why don't we start with you?
2: I mean, I think I, I,
1: think guess... I know your.
0: I think I know what your answer is going to be. So I want to see you go first.
1: I feel like there's a few, um, I mean, I feel like it's a buzzword by now because I've been talking about like the direction of it so much. Um, so like, obviously I've mentioned that I feel like one of the easiest, thing, I don't necessarily know if it's easy, but definitely one of the things they could have done to make the movie. Like invest in them, like make me invested in the movie more is just flesh out some of the relationships a little bit. Like, like, make Zac Efron and Zendaya feel like an actual couple rather than just two people who look at each other and are like, I'm attracted to you and let's go see, let's go do stuff. Like, so, so,
0: so this film's an hour and 45 minutes long. Would you want to add more time, runtime to this in order to flesh out those relationships?
1: No, but Uh, they, but they, but they add, but like the thing is, is that they put in drama that is unnecessary. There's like so many melodramatic moments that have that add nothing to the story where they could have made like they could have focused a little bit more on Hugh Jackman's relationship with his wife, or they could have focused more on Zac Efron's relationship with Zendaya. But like they put in just like little moments that don't matter at all.
0: So you think like, maybe like the writing would be the biggest issue behind this because they, cause that. they're, they're putting in scenes that don't matter as opposed to fleshing out scenes that need it.
1: Yeah, I, I feel I feel like that is a way you could put it. I mean, again, like I said, everything just feels so surface level. So I think it like it would have to be a pretty big rehaul
0: of. So maybe there maybe there isn't like a particular thing that you think could fix it. Like, is this one just too far gone for you that there's there's probably nothing you think. I you just can think
1: do? they went around this movie the entire wrong way. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's not like where it's like there's this one thing that stands out. Like I, okay, I do feel like it would be a better movie if the editing was better. I do I do feel like it would be a better movie if they, like if they just took time or like, hey, let's not edit this like an action movie, it would have been a little bit more enjoyable. But yeah, okay. now they have to ref- like redo the entire thing. Joel, what do
2: you think a good answer to this would be? If there's one thing I could change, it's one letter. And we change it to the greatest snowman. Okay, so hear me out. Is so, this a se-
0: is this a sequel to that uh, Jack Frost movie where uh, Michael Keaton is spirit goes into the snow snowman? Yes, yeah. Oh, it's very, yeah. It's very okay,
2: similar in. to that. Um, I was thinking what we can bring in uh, someone maybe like Nicolas Cage um, playing the snowman. No, uh, no. Actually, my actual answer, uh, somewhat similar to Cameron's, I guess, which is weird, um, but is. I have this issue with musicals to where sometimes I hate that they're musicals, even though I know they're musicals. Now, let me explain that. Maybe one or two less songs in this movie and more actual just dialogue Mm. to flesh out the story a little bit more actually give me you know exposition maybe not just throw it in my face you know but yeah, give me that because i because i because te- i
0: text i texted you last night when we were at the 30 minute mark and we were on our fourth song already yeah and it was <laughs> like, just like like what are we doing here
2: like no offense cam because i know you said earlier that you liked this movie and i understand this is what it was supposed to be i hated les mis i i i walked out of that movie upset i was like i can't believe I'm just wasting my time watching well, this
1: you have to understand that i mean that is your own fault for not knowing that les mis is purely music yeah. No, I
2: knew that going in, and I understood that. But I was hoping, you know what? They're gonna they're gonna give it the film treatment. I'm hoping that there's actually gonna be film elements to it. And then it wasn't. Which, again, it's not it's not the movie's fault. Like I understand that that's how the play itself is, you know. But I I just personally didn't enjoy it. And in relation to this, what I'm saying is, I think if they had taken out one or two songs, I don't I don't think pushing this movie to like two and a half hours is the answer. That's that's getting too long. Maybe? I don't think I don't think I don't no, think we could get I don't ahead. think no. we could get through another 45. You minutes know, that's what film. I'm saying. Maybe pushing it to two hours is fine and taking a song out. But I personally needed maybe one to two less songs and more exposition somewhere in there to give me more of the story that I needed, because it just story wise felt so empty. Like we were talking yeah. about earlier, it felt like it was just like a here's the subject matter. We're not really going to give you much of that. Here's a bunch of songs you know
1: for i i will just mention for the record i think uh les miserables is a fine movie i don't think it's that great i think it's okay you're better no, off no, wa- you're know. better off
0: watching the stage performance every time for yeah. that film um so my answer is a little different from you guys my biggest issue with this film and probably the reason that i can't enjoy it as much as i do or as much as i'd like to is is because of how inaccurate the story is to how P.T. Barnum mm-hmm. really was as a person. So I think there's one big fix to make this film more enjoyable is not base it off of P.T. Barnum. If you oh, just absolutely. made like this this mystical film about the circus and you could still set it in the 19th century New York City if you want to, but you don't have to bring realism into it. This could have just been an entire fiction work with all the music, and then it could have just been like a fun popcorn movie, which is what they were really going for to begin with. But if you bring those realism elements into it, you bring on the criticism of not portraying them accurately. And I think that's the biggest issue from this film.
2: As It's funny you say that because I think it was probably until maybe a couple weeks before the movie came out and I saw like a press junket on the news or something. I had no clue it was about P.T. Barnum. Right? I I just thought, like you said, it was going to be kind of like this made-up circus kind of guy. Maybe, you know, the idea kind of generated from a P.T. Barnum-type character, but I didn't know that it was directly supposed to be P.T. Barnum. And once I found that out, I was almost kind of disappointed. I was kind of like, uh, like, they're probably not going to actually tell a story-type thing, you know what I mean, which is exactly what you're getting at here. Um, but for the longest time, I had no clue that that's what it was about. And I, I, I think that's a solid point, you know. I, I yes. Changing changing this to not be about a real life character and just making it a little more kind of like you said, fantastical, you know? Yeah. It gives that like suspension of disbelief where it's like, yeah, like, okay, that's fine that that happened. Like this isn't supposed to be real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: you can, you can make this same movie and cause they already took so many liberties with it. Like half of the cast aren't real people. Mm-hmm. So just make the whole cast fictional people. Yeah, And then you don't have to worry about it. Then there's no back, because there was backlash with P.T. Barnum. As I was doing my research, there were so many articles, uh, whether it was on The Guardian or on Deadline or any other website, that talked about, like, you know, this film is inaccurate so much so that it causes less enjoyment for the film because people now know what P.T. Barnum was really like. And this film almost brought that into discussion, like, You learned more about Mm -hmm. P.T. Barnum from this film and it was things you didn't probably want to know. And I certainly don't think 20th Century Fox wanted people to know this stuff when they released this film. Like clearly it did well enough financially that a lot of people didn't care. But I just think it would have had better staying power going forward. Because right Mm -hmm. now only the music has some staying power. The film itself, it's just, I don't think people really talk about it anymore outside of the music tracks.
1: I think, um, well, I've got a couple of things to go off of that um the first one is is that no i i, I totally see what you're saying um but just like his, like as like the movie was hugh jackman had been trying to get this movie made about mm-hmm. pt barnum yeah, for a long time and so this like, movie def- it was like seven
0: years I yeah like this is this is a
1: passion project of hugh jackman's and he was specifically trying to get it done but like it was specifically P. T. Barnum's story, so like right. I get, so like I totally like I get what you're saying, in like a, in like a hypothetical point, but like the movie itself would not have existed if it wasn't for like P. T. Bar- like it, the movie couldn't exist without P. T. Barnum because that's like the whole re like that's well, I mean, I think
2: that's I think that's goal. the point of the question. Though, no,
1: is, no, like, I, I yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, and then. I forget the other point that I had, but yeah, I think that was kind of the big one. Yeah. All right. Well, that oh. kind of, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. 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 No, it's funny. So you were talking about like how it like brought into discussion. It's actually my dad, the moment this movie came out, he started doing research and like, it was funny because he almost did the opposite of what you were saying. And like, I, don't get me wrong. I think my dad is wonderful, but he started like after watching the movie, he was such a big fan of PT Barnum. He was trying to find articles that were like, Oh, he wasn't actually that bad, you know? Oh. <laughs> and so I do feel like this movie could also kind of like, you know, put him into, well, obviously it put him in a positive light, but could also make, you know, a few fans who should not think, be fans. I think,
0: I think the film tried to put him in a positive light, but, enough critics and then by proxy enough viewers learned more about who he really was more Mm -hmm. so than they knew before that. So it was almost like just watching. It was a net negative. And
1: even just watching this movie, I made the note and I underlined it three times saying this guy sucks. Yeah. He's not like, he's not likable. He's not
0: likable in the film
1: like something we didn't mention that I think is in the beginning of a million dreams. Like, I don't know if this was like, but like, right. He's like, he's down on his luck. He's, he lost his bread or whatever. Cause he, just got he lost up. his bread. <laughs> and, and, and that, and that disfigured woman came over and handed him the apple. Yeah. And it was kind of like, Oh, this is this moment where he's like, wow, I was helped out by someone who's different. Why don't I help out other people? And then he exploits everyone yeah. who's different. And it so it's like, almost
2: like these different people can get me what I need. Exactly. Yeah. They can make me money.
1: Exactly. And so, um, like, yeah, this yeah, and I,
2: yeah, I
0: noticed that, too, because he saw that because he sees the short man at the bank and then he sees the apple on his desk. And right away, he's just like, hey, I remember that mm-hmm. weird looking lady. That guy was weird looking, too. I can yeah. do something with that. Yeah, yeah, that I agree.
1: Well, and then and then he looks at he's like, it's magnificent. Right. When he sees the bearded lady, he's like, it's magnificent. Like what? The, like, like completely objectifying, like seeing her as like it's magnificent rather than just be like, you're a great singer. He literally is (laughs) like, it's magnificent. Like, come on, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he like, once he saw what she looked like, the singing aspect left his brain. And now it was like, Oh, you, you're exactly what I need. Yeah. He had Mm -hmm. to get Um, the
1: attractive singer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're kind of hitting the end point of the episode. We've covered a lot here with greatest showman, But as the name of the show says, the I'd Like a Refund podcast, I want to find out from the three of us if we could go back in time and we were sitting in the theater when this movie came out. We can we could decide right then if we would want to leave and get a refund for our money that we spent on the ticket. So I looked up what the and this will come more into play when we go into like later films, like films that were down, uh, done when we were much younger and not even born yet. Um, I looked what the price of a general admission ticket across the United States was uh, for the, when this movie came out. It was about nine dollars. So a nine dollar ticket for this film, Cameron. I'll start with you because I feel like you dislike this film the most. Do you want a refund on this film?
1: Oh man, I feel like.
2: Do so we want to allow partial refunds? Yeah, we
1: do. Yeah, so yeah. Refunds? If you, you if you want like fifty percent of your
0: refund, if you want twenty percent, I'll I'll do the math. I can figure it out.
1: I mean, I could, I could be like, yo, could I have six bucks back? <laughs> I mean, just feel like, I'd be like this movie was, I don't know. Like what
2: Cameron just said is Zendaya is worth $3. Yeah. Yeah. She can <laughs> well, have
0: some, she can have some of the public funding.
1: Yeah. No, I, I like, like, I, I think that this, I, I think that this movie, like I said, it was a good choice for a first one because I, I don't think it's blatant. Like it is blatantly a terrible movie because like a lot of people like it but just like i walked out of this movie thinking that was awful i hated watching that movie i hated spending time watching that movie i wish i had my time back like i like i like it would have been much better off if i had just listened to the soundtrack you know um and so yeah i think i'd be like you know if i could go back i'd walk out and be like hey can i have six dollars back so, you'd,
0: you know, want a, you'd want about 67% refund.
2: That's, wow, you're really Actually, good Actually, 66.6666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666666661. Yeah, uh no, I I'm fine. It's yeah, ba-
0: based out, I I went with the the pot like the general countries. No, for sure, um, for sure. One, because in L. A. They haven't had tickets be nine dollars probably since like <laughs> the Great Depression.
1: AMC <laughs> so, Movie Pass. Um,
0: um. But I I agree with you, Joel. I I think the music is enjoyable enough for me in this film to put aside everything else and be worth the price of admission.
2: For sure
1: you guys are you guys must be rich if you're not asking for a, f- a for a refund because oh man so that basically
0: concludes our first episode uh titling of the greatest showman now for our next episode we're gonna take turns picking our movies Joel his pick is up next and just to let the record show Cameron and I have no idea what film he's gonna tell us we're doing next
2: so Joel the floor's yours all right, boys. Uh, I kind of talked about this one already, so maybe you're expecting it. Um, but next week or next <laughs> next episode, we're going to talk about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh, we're coming in hot already. I like, it. I like it. It pains me to say this with Jurassic Park being my favorite movie, um, but Fallen Kingdom kind of hurt me a little bit. So yes. we're going we're gonna to talk this about that. This is
1: interesting because I, I think it. this will be the one – the one time I actually liked a movie that Joel did it.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Okay. I actually so, liked Fallen World.
2: So we've, got, <laughs> we've
1: World. got our next... Fallen Kingdom. What was it?
0: Jurassic, Jurassic Kingdom. World. Fallen yeah, Kingdom. I actually liked it. Jurassic I, World,
2: Fallen World. <laughs> I have my reasons for not liking it, and maybe they're too personal, but we'll get to that.
0: Well, we'll get into those for our next episode, folks. Thank you so much for joining us for our inaugural episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. You can subscribe to us on uh, Apple, on Apple, on Spotify, and all of your other podcast platforms. Again, for Joel, for Cameron, I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us.